Welcome to the Before Midnight Podcast, coming to you from the N Plus One Studios overlooking beautiful downtown Frankfurt. In this podcast, we explore the world of age group triathletes. We'll be looking at the real world challenges of being an amateur multi-sport athlete. And we have new scenery today. Yes. We've shifted. <laughs> We've moved some things around in my office. We're in the same location. Yes. Just moved sideways. Turn 90 degrees. Maybe in six months, we'll turn it the other way and people can see no. <laughs> we'll move to another room all around the Schenkenfelder house. <laughs> I'm your host, Linda Word, along with my co-host, Brian Schenkenfelder. What's up, Brian? What's at your house? Not much, man. Just living La Vida Loca, man. The, the good life. <laughs> it's warm today. I am so happy. Oh, my God. For a day or two. For a day. Until the ice and snow comes. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so... One of the things that I do at the school is get kids out of the cars. Last week, man, I got so much sympathy from these parents. I mean, they were It was like, cold. Yeah, it was three degrees. It was legitimately cold last yeah. week. I had one parent, and I don't know why I hadn't used it before now. She's like, this is a Christmas gift that I never used, and it's an electronic hand warmer. Okay. I broke it out today, and I was like, I'm going to try this thing out. And, oh my gosh, I need to order three. Every teacher that ever has recess duty needs one of these things because I was like, this is awesome. And I mean, it's, it lasted, I don't know, I don't know how long it would last, but at least a couple hours. Yeah. I need 45 minutes. That's all I need. Right. I mean, generally you don't need that long. No one's I was doing like the shaker hot pockets, you know, I mean, I use those all the time and you just throw those away, but I'm like, this is awesome. Stinks to be cold, doesn't it? You know, I, as long as I'm moving, I'm okay. Yeah. But standing still, yeah, that stinks. And so when you're doing recess duty or waiting for cars, yes, it stinks. Miami, man. It's where I want to live. It's the good life. I just uh, had a family actually from Miami come in and look at the school. <laughs> I was like, like, what are you people thinking? <laughs> well, it was the father of a child that's going to the school. Let's put it that way. So he's not moving here. <laughs> But the kid is here, and so he wanted to see where his child was going to school, and I was like... No, I get it. He'd already fallen in the ice. He's like, yeah, we're not used to being up here. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) No one's used to being here. It's like crazy. It is crazy. Been crazy cold, so... It has been unseasonably cold. And it's... uh, Yeah, because I was like, oh, man, it'd be a good weekend to go mountain biking. But there's still a lot of snow on the ground last weekend, too. Yeah. And it was just really, really cold. When it gets down to the single digits, I'm not. I it's just not. Now you've got like the bar gloves and everything on your bike. You put the bar mitts on, and those are actually pretty warm. That allows me to actually wear gloves that are mountain biking like gloves for mm-hmm. like cool weather. Because I have some mountain biking gloves that are for like a when it's in the fifties. Right. <laughs> I can usually put those on with bar mitts. The problem is, is that until you warm that space up. Well, that, those little electronic hand warmers. That first, yeah, probably. Because the first <laughs> 15... pockets in there? Oh, yeah, that would work. Because the first 15 <laughs> minutes of bike riding is absolutely miserable. Yeah. But once they warm up, it's it's actually really nice because you can use them. Because, like, a with mountain biking, if you have like any type of real thick glove, there's too much movement between your hand and the handlebars. Yeah. And okay. when you start getting into some rougher terrain that is very less than ideal. 
That can be a little hazardous. It's some of it's hazardous, and some of it you get blisters and stuff because you'll yeah. start getting rubbing because your hand's moving yeah. and you're not gripping it. So right. there's a lot of movement of your hand. I think that's why I don't like to wear like gloves and so even when I'm on the road bike. I mean, I just I, I've learned you know on the mountain bike. Yeah, I want some padding on you know on my hands here. Um, you need gloves for mountain biking. It's just yeah. too much too much movement and just slight movement of your hands. Yeah. Because the handful of times I've mountain biked without gloves, I'll end up with blisters, and it's not because it's it's just because there's gonna because there's so much bouncing and movement right. that your hand's gonna get some friction on those grips, yeah. and that's where the glove comes in. It gets rid of that friction. Yeah, just I don't know. The, so the bar mitts don't cover the. You still need gloves on underneath those. Is what you're I saying. mean, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to protect you, because those, I mean, those are encompassing your hands, yeah. but they're not protecting your hand from the grip. No, because it's just a big empty space. Yeah. It just, it provides, okay. it's basically like those, it's just an insulation, whatever, whatever they use for like your feet and things like this. To, neoprene? The neoprene covering is all it is. Okay. For just the handlebars. Just and there's enough room in there so you can shift too. I mean, that's yeah. why it can't be super tight. That's why they they tend to have I'm a lot of gifts. from you. They're really warm. <laughs> makes makes mountain biking in the winter much more enjoyable. I haven't been in several weeks, but I well, I mean, like I, we've had some really nice cold weather, but it's also been snowy. And I, I I mountain biked in the snow. It's not fun. <laughs> it's I not mean, if you fun. have the right tires, I imagine it would no, be fun. You slide. Oh. Especially when you start hitting ice, because what ends up, especially when there's much moisture we've had, yeah, all those areas that, on the trail that hold water become ice, ice, and that stuff is really dangerous. Even on a mountain bike, you slide. Okay. Good fun. I've, I've been. Good there. thing I haven't gone. And I, I thought about mountain biking just around my farm in the snow, just to see. You know, I don't really you have trails, slide. and it's you know, and it's tall grass, so it's not. It's not bad as long as you're on flats, as long as you don't have to like make turns and stuff like that. You can go in the snow pretty easily. It's it, you have to climb anything. You need traction. You're not gonna get traction in snow. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you just yeah. don't. You just spin. It's like it's kind of like mud. It's not as bad as mud, but it yeah. it can be like mud. Yeah, like I said, if you're on it's a flattish a area, you're going to through. Fall down onto. <laughs> Yeah, it's frozen. Oh, yeah, it's, no. It is it's like going in the summer when it's August oh. and it's dry as can be. Yeah. That's what winter is like when you hit the ground because the ground is frozen. It's it's pretty hard. Oh. Yeah. And you get like the cool, like when it starts going when it's frozen or in the morning, you get the ground will puff up in spots, which slows you down quite a bit. And that's just the water in the ground freezing oh, and pushing the ground, pushing the ground, up, ground up a little bit. In my yard, it's because of moles, but okay. Yeah, I always thought that it was, but I guess maybe not. On the trails, it'll just kind of. Puff, I mean, it's not like it's big puff up like a mole, just a little bit. Just a little bit, and it well, gives it kind of a crunchy, okay. and, it, and it actually slows you way the heck down. Because <laughs> there's not, it's not smooth. It's yeah, and it's not like yeah, like a firm surface huh. you're pushing against either. Interesting notes from winter mountain biking. Winter mountain biking. Yep. So what else have you been up to? I don't know. Not much. <laughs> No, no soccer right now? It's this time of the year. We've been doing uh, some futsal. He's been doing like a futsal clinic thing. I think they're going to have a futsal league here in a, in a few weeks. Okay. For the next month or so. And and that's interesting because what makes futsal interesting is it is a heavier ball, so it doesn't bounce. Okay. Which is good because they play on a gym floor, right? It's indoors. Right. Okay. It becomes, what, what makes it a little more interesting is when the ball starts rolling because it's a gym floor, it doesn't stop. 
Yeah. Like outside in the grass, you kick it, it stops. Right. Manipulating the ball becomes a little bit different because number one, well, you're on a tennis shoe rather than a cleat. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you end up using the bottom of your foot probably more than you do outside to manipulate the ball because you can roll it with the bottom of your foot. And since it's a hard surface like that, it'll roll a good chunk of way. Yeah. So, you know, standing on it, pulling back, that ball can roll. That ball's going to go. Or I can yeah. come up and step over it and, and just to the left and okay. it'll roll to the left or the right or forward. I can, I can manipulate it with the bottom of my foot, wow. not just by kicking it. Okay. You have a little bit more finer control over how hard it goes in that situation, I think. Like, if you need it to just go easier, you can use the top so of your foot to manipulate it. So that's why I've been seeing the kids on the playground doing that more. Okay. They've been using like the, using the, bottom, the, the top of their foot, foot yeah. to manipulate yeah. the ball? Yeah, it's because yeah. of the... It just, it just occurred to me that they were... I was watching your son and his friend out there the other day. And have you seen them doing like lot playing some futsal where that's kind of the <laughs> part of what they've been teaching them and how to use it? Because it's a flat surface like that where you yeah. can Well, and I mean, when they're the playing it at school, it's on blacktop. I mean, it's on flat surface, too. So they're figuring out how to how to do that. Interesting. Right. In theory, that could some of that stuff can translate into the soccer field mm-hmm. when you're one-on-one with somebody. You can you can When you're kind of stepping over, you can manipulate the ball with your feet a little bit. Right. In a little, in, in a little bit different ways yeah. to get that opening you need to be able to pass or shoot or whatever you're trying mm-hmm. to do hmm. I mean, because at the end of the day and from my standpoint in soccer it's like okay I got the ball I got a defender I don't need to make six people miss the Pele way and, and dribble in for a goal I just need to make somebody miss so I can get a pass off or I can distribute the ball mm-hmm. when someone's on me then those are great skills for just that yeah. cool it's been interesting yeah it's interesting to teach how they uh, teach futsal although since he's part of King's Hammer, King's Hammer's putting on like the clinic and, and like the little mini league they're going to do. One of their coaches is the coach for, I believe it's Paul Dunbar out of Lexington, oh, okay. which is the one that won the state championship here this uh, last year. Uh, nice. Okay. So he got some coaching from the state champion, although he said he was hard to understand. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Well. I guess he talked real, he wasn't a very loud coach. Okay. And that kind of uh, made it hard for him to. You really Pick have up to be whatever. Paying yeah, attention. Yeah, you really paying attention to what he was saying. Yeah, you missed stuff, yeah. And, huh. like, well, um, he would tend to talk in one direction. Oh. And because they're kind of in a gym, he might have been behind him sometimes. And, right. Which so can make yeah. it. And when he's not projecting his voice. I have a feeling when I'm at a pool and the coach is talking. <laughs> that like, never happens. Never. Well, never. that's why I'm always yelling it twice, one in direction A and one in yes. direction B. Yes. Now, if we were a good team, we would be in three lanes instead of eight. <laughs> we're not that good. No. We like our space. <laughs> we have some people that do backstroke like this. Well, yeah. If we can have one person per lane, we would have one person per lane and take up 50 lanes. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Definitely. That would make it a lot easier on the coach if we used just three or four lanes. And realistically, we could have. We have what, 15 there today. Mm-hmm. We could have been in three lanes, been five deep, and been fine. But luckily, our coach is nice and doesn't make us do that and repeats and talks in two different directions for us. Instead, we have two people in eight different lanes. Yes, we do. <laughs> Which is fine. It's not a big deal. It's just, that's what makes it hard for me to like say it and... Everybody. Well, and that's because there's people talking somewhere along the way as well, right. which is why I have to enunciate. Well, you got to look at the directions. direction of the people that aren't talking and tell them, and then, and then the come over to the people who are talking. talking and that 
and then wait. tell them. Right. And then right before the send-off, people are like, what are we doing? And then I got to say it a third time. <laughs> I try and help you out. I try and I listen, and I tell people that we're talking. It, it, it's usually Especially, one of those. My hope is you, that one person on the side hears it and can, like, explain to the other right. people what we're doing. And I can I see that. that go on. Good. Okay. I'm glad you appreciate our efforts. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you have some new people on my end that are like, what did he say? I mean, yeah. their eyes are like, oh, my God, I have no idea what that Well, they're means. all new, and they don't know what the, the meaning of everything. And I, I used to be better about trying to explain everything, and I still try to when I can. Yeah. It's just not a very good format to do that all the time. It's well, much easier for me to say it and hope that their lane mates or someone near them yeah. knows what I'm talking about and can give them some basic You almost need to tell that side first so that right. whoever's over there can explain it while you tell the other side because they were talking. And usually I do. Yeah. Not always does that happen. Sometimes yeah. it's just I have to be on the other side for whatever reason. Because you were talking. Well, sometimes the other side gets finished first, and so it's easier yeah, to tell them true. while the other side's recovering, and then I'll go over to them and like tell them. Good point, because you do have that <laughs> issue as well. It's I mean, we've got so many different speeds in that pool. It's ridiculous. It becomes a challenge to manage it. Yeah, yeah. That's and always you do been very a challenge. Well. I, I do okay with it. Sometimes one side or the other is going to suffer yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Somebody's either going to be out of breath or somebody's going to be bored. Yes. Mm, that's okay. And I try to make sure that that doesn't happen by yeah. doing different distances and things of that nature. Yeah. And it works pretty well. No, it does work. You do really well with it's... that. And I mean, I've learned in trying to teach the new people that, you know, if you can't do that distance, don't. When everybody else stops, you just stop. Yes. Or stop <laughs> before to... they do. You yeah. don't have to do the whole It's okay. It's all yeah. good. If they're doing a 300, you can do one. It's okay. 150. Whatever. It's all right. You're still trying to figure out how to get from one side of the pool to the other. Yeah. So we started the Adult Learn to Swim class again. So we've done two weeks of that, which I know you're not involved in. <laughs> I'm certified for it, but yeah, I'm not involved. Oh, are you? I didn't realize you got certified. Yeah, okay. I got certified for that. I forgot why. I think it was for like USAT. Okay. okay. Uh, it was like a, a credit for them, I think, it yeah. came across. And I think Mimi wanted me to get it certified. Okay. I was more interested in like, can you use that as a bridge to make it into the Masters? And I don't think it's that yet there's no the biggest problem with adult learn to swim is there's no obvious path from that to masters yeah i and i can see well i get the lowest i don't want to say lowest of the low but i get the people people who are are scared of the water you walk in the room you know right i mean there's a lot of people we have a lady that showed up she's like i can yeah i'll swim down the deep end i just don't know any strokes right and i was like oh well you need like Swimming lessons, not adult learns to swim. Right. You know. Um, but, I mean, that would be... Those are the people that who are perfect candidates for masters. Right. Oh, yeah, this lady would be perfect. And those are... And like, the adult learn to swim needs to figure out a way to incorporate them. Or maybe... I don't know how you would change that. Well, it would need to be... An, I don't know. You, you have to market it somehow Yeah, it wouldn't be adult learn to swim. It'd be like... Well, I mean, to some extent, better. it's learning to swim. I mean, it's learning to yeah. learn all the different strokes. I mean, how do you define learning to swim? Yeah. You know, because right now, adult learn to swim is really learning not to drown. Right. Which is different than learning to swim <laughs> to some extent. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah. the goal of it is, can I get from one side of the pool to the other? Right. And then can it, I tread yeah. water? Yeah. And most of that is, how do I not drown? Right. And it's not really, how do I swim freestyle or how do I swim backstroke? Yeah. I mean, there's some of that in that. I mean, in... Yeah. 
in the class, but it's not really a teach you how to swim. No, no. The lady that I work with is like, she's like, I just don't, I want to be able to be in the water and not panic if somebody splashes me. Right. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll get there. And that's the, I think that's the challenge for that is how do you, it needs to be marketed separately. You, You need to be able to like, okay, people who are not afraid of the water, who can kind of get around the water, but need to learn to swim. To swim. And then there's the people who are just really need, they've never been in the water or right. definitely afraid of it and they need, need to, to not be able to drown. Drowned, yeah. Right. Yeah. Two different yeah. categories. There's two sure. different categories of people. I wonder if there would be like a, I don't want to say a lane zero class, you know, like we call for beginner masters, but um, yeah. That's what there needs to be is like a lane zero. And the problem is... In, or a pre-masters class or... Yeah, know. and the problem is with it being a smaller city, a rural city like Shelbyville yeah. and even Frankfurt, you don't have enough people to really put on classes. It's hard to run a class with one or two people. Yeah. Well, if you feed off of Louisville, though, I mean, you can kind of go from Shelbyville to Louisville. I mean, Frankfurt doesn't even have a pool, so we're just going to disqualify them completely. Well, you would have to be able to market it in a bigger manner. This is kind of, would be a really good thing for like triathlon coaches to go around and and run seminars on it. Yeah, because plenty of people would like to do triathlon. And get better. Yeah, but don't know how to swim well. Even the beginning swimmers who need to get better. Yeah. And have kind of a a clinic for all of those people. Yeah. Would be really cool. We'll have to create that. Otherwise, we're just giving somebody else the idea. Well, we have talked about this many times. We've still yet to do it. So, Well, COVID kind of came around and ruined some of it. Yeah. COVID ruined a lot of things. Uh, anyway. Yeah, it's uh, it, that's an interesting thing. The adult learn to swim is kind of that really challenging, like how do you get people into masters? Because, you know, the new guys who are new people with us, I mean, they're kind of the adult learning to swim, and mm-hmm. they are let almost at lane zero and probably are i mean that the yeah the one well that we've i mean ideally ideally i've got about five or six swimmers who should have their own practice that should be separate from everybody else's Mm -hmm. yeah we don't have two coaches so (laughs) and i can't i've tried that before to run two different practices you can't you can't do it no people can only come when they can come right well and it's just hard to run two practices that are distinct from each other yeah at the same time, because people come in and people, it just, you just, you know, you're, you're trying to teach them, they come in and it's like, oh, here's the next step. I mean, I guess you, theory, you could hand them off a, a piece of paper with the workout and let them go do yeah. their thing, but then you lose the appeal of our master's team, which is kind of, the, here's, the, we're all going to do it, we're all in this together right. mentality. Yeah, it's very social group too. Yeah, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, and we're going to probably get a couple more swimmers coming in. Uh, I was talking to one lady today who's getting ready to, they're, they're hopefully going to join here. Cool. Her and another girl. What did Mimi say? We've got like 20 or 38 or something. Yeah, like we've that. got a huge. Yeah, there's actually a big, a really big base of people that. And I'm the only one who hasn't registered for this. <laughs> <laughs> you need to. <laughs> That's on my list for this week. I will get that done this get, week. Register and for I will USMS. be a USMS. Oh my God. That's so funny. Remember. <laughs> They have it at the worst time. The registration in January is the absolute worst time They're to ever register. They're all in January. December Everything and January. Everything is in January. And it's like, oh my God, you know, you're wiping out all my Christmas money that somebody gave me. You know, so this is where USAT gets it right. It's based on when you join. They just have membership dates whenever you sign up. <laughs> well, mine's December. <laughs> Yippee. Because I think mine runs through like till August. 
this year. Oh, no. Mine, well, yeah, I'm going to say mine's November or December. I know it's at the end of the year. I just don't. It just depends on when you sign up. It all yeah. depends on when you sign up. Huh. What you do is just let it expire until the next time you need it, and then you sign up then. I think, well, I accidentally signed up for like two years at once, at one point, so. Yeah, I, I generally will do two years as well. Yeah. But I, the reason I'm in August is because I it had expired. I'd forgotten it had expired, and then oh. I had to do a race. And I'm like, oh. Or I think it expired as the race was coming up. And then, like, <laughs> it didn't take my USAT number. I was like, oh. I did that with Nationals last year, actually, because I signed up for Nationals, and by the time it came around, it had expired. So I was like, oh, shoot, got it. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Good time. All right. Well, we were going to talk about injuries and training with injuries this week. Yeah. Yay. I don't know. I don't have any. So you don't have any. (laughs) Yeah. Linda does. Linda can't run anymore, or at least not for a while. I was told by the physical therapist today, do not do things that hurt. And I'm like, rats. So I can't do stairs anymore. Can't walk on stairs. I may have a torn meniscus. We're not sure. I have patellar degeneration, which is just because I'm old. Just my knee popping. And then a sharp pain in the bottom of the knee sticking up when I run. Or when I push off the wall when I swim. Or when I do breaststroke kick. Or when I do anything that... I like to do. <clears throat> so, learning how to adjust to... biking? <sighs> Probably not. Maybe. Maybe. It depends on how I'm... I need to adjust my seat a little bit, I think. Um, or you should take a month off. I don't want to take a month off. <laughs> Sorry, we're talking about training with an injury. <laughs> this is the problem that, that people run into with injury they are so emotionally invested in what they do that it becomes a, a real challenge well i mean you do get hooked on the endorphins i mean there's like a brain chemical happening that's not there you and, do i know it's, I, I do. I never feel good after anything I do workout wise. Oh, I, I never. I mean, there are very few workouts I've ever regretted doing. Oh, I don't mind doing them. I just don't get any endorphin rubs or from them. I just. I just. I mean, I'm I. I always feel better after a workout. So. I'm usually awake after a workout. Because <laughs> it's five in the morning when we work out for stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, finding different things to do when you can't do what you. So yeah, it does. It I I can I can bike. I haven't been on the trainer for a little bit. It's not super comfortable, and the physical therapist has kind of scared me because he's like, "Don't do anything that aggravates you. You've got to let it. You got to let, let it heal. heal." I mean, this, you know, like I said, most people they get wrapped up in their sports and the, and they get worried. And this may not be you, but a lot of people. Because I remember when I got started, it's like you worry about, oh my god, I'm gonna lose all this fitness. No, I'm, I'm not, not gonna be able to race. But there are a lot of people that do. I remember yeah. when I first got my first injury. I think I got what was it, on the outside of the knee. The um, oh, IT band. IT band issue, and I couldn't mm-hmm. run. It was right around race season. It yes. freaked me out in like my first year or two of racing, and just like, oh my god, I'm gonna lose my fitness. You know, what am I? What is this? What am I gonna do? How am I gonna race? How am I gonna do all these things? And there's a very real mental element to injuries for athletes, because so much of their persona is wrapped up in the sport and that's you know when you start looking at it, well you were looking at well it gives me this endorphin rush well you know yeah okay but at the end of the day i mean i could go out and walk every day and, and, and probably feel good about it 
Yeah. I don't have to go out and run. I don't have to go out and bike. I don't have to go out and swim and do all these things to maintain some mm-hmm. level of fitness. And the other thing is if you take three or four months off from a sport, you're going to come back fine. The big reason that you do a lot of stuff off-season or maintain fitness is more of to make it easier to get back into it when the season comes back around. I broke my hand in the middle of the season. I missed a whole year. Yeah. I came back in the years after that were some of my fastest years. Hmm. So my fitness didn't get destroyed by it. I didn't end yeah. up way behind. But when I came back, it was really hard because you didn't do anything for right. three months or whatever long it took. That's the biggest. That's the biggest thing for a lot of when you're coming back after having taken time off is it's hard because your yeah. body's like, no, <laughs> no we're not doing this again. Know. We did this once. We're not doing this again. I don't no. remember. <laughs> well, me, it's I have such a set schedule and 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 I guess that and that's where the mental part is. It's like this is what I'm supposed to do at this time of day and on these days of the week, and it's like it's not there. And, Trying to replace that with other things. Um, it creates a very negative emotional response. Yeah, it's very stressful. I mean, like, okay. So I've been going to the gym more. I can do that. Uh, you know, just no squats, stuff like that. So upper body is going to be awesome. That's what I'm looking at. So this is where I get back into my, like, and then this, this is the problem is people will train through their pains. Like, right. you're talking about, hey, well, how can we train and do things? It's like, you know, the, because their emotions are involved, you make, irrational decisions this is where i get to the whole emotions are the enemy of rational thought because you you make it's always fascinating athletes generally make really dumb decisions because they're so emotionally invested Mm -hmm. in it that they're going to train through the pain or well it hurts a little bit but it hurt that much we'll keep going (laughs) instead of letting it rest right that's a real and that's that's one of the reasons coaches are a lot of times good for athletes because athletes are so wrapped up in that race and the Mm-hmm. emotional aspects of what they're doing are emotionally tied to everything they make poor decisions where coaches like me i'm not emotionally invested in what you're doing right to any real level therefore i can make much more rational decisions about training for you than the athlete <laughs> can because i'm not invested in it i mean yeah. you know i mean i'm you know there's a relationship there but it's not yeah. like i'm like if you miss a workout, I'm not going to be like yeah. emotionally distressed or anything like someone who's an athlete. <laughs> well, and you know, and a coach can, you know, we've got a couple injured athletes right now, and it's like, okay, well, you're not going to do this anymore. This is what you can do, you know, yeah. or, or what? How does this feel? This is the only thing you can do, and okay, you know, and somebody else telling you is a little different. It makes it a little bit easier to make those rational yeah. decisions that. They get clouded from the emotional aspects that get tied into yeah. what you do as an athlete. I mean, it was really good for the physical therapist to tell me, you cannot make, you know, if this hurts, you cannot do it. Because I was kind of pushing it a little bit, you know, last Everybody week. Everybody does, you know, man. So. Everybody does. But when he was like, you just need to stop. You're, you know, it's not, it's it's going to hurt if you keep on doing that. Like, I mean, it, it takes a while for things to heal. Like, so yeah. I, I broke my hand and I was out for a whole summer. Because yeah. I broke that, I, I, man, I broke that like in May, too. That was like the Ooh. best time to break in May, April, May or June, something like that. Because I didn't, I didn't get back from that until August. I think I did a race in like September of that year. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And it was just for fun. It really wasn't even yeah. a, a serious race because I was in nowhere, no fitness because I didn't, I didn't do anything. I'm looking at like probably three months, yeah. I think. If well, the I good news I've is, got, is... What? 
it's only February, February, March, April. It's three months, man. This is a year. You're actually, back for May. May. This is, this is actually a year for me to be injured since I'm getting my master's. I've got plenty of other stuff to well, do, so I really wasn't worried about competition. So, I mean, if if I have to have surgery, that's going to be probably in about another month. If that's what they decide to do, and then you figure another month. So I'll have to figure out what to do in time. <laughs> My suggestion for most people is walk. Go for walks. I'm not even really supposed to do that because it's weight bearing. That's what I hate. He's Does like, it hurt? Sw- um, after a while, yeah. I can stand on it okay. Um, stairs. Can you get on the elliptical? Just, I have not tried an elliptical yet. That's the next thing I'm going to try. Or like see. a stationary bike, one that's not like. I'd love to find like a ski machine. Yeah. Because then. It's just because I can flutter kick no problem. It's just that when it when it pulls on the pulls the kneecap. Yeah, you know, if you if you get on the bike and just spin it and not put any pressure on it, you'd probably be okay with that too. The kneecap is what's popping when I'm on okay. the bike, so probably I'm still trying to figure out if I can adjust the seat so that it's not bending as much because I've got swelling behind the knee as okay. well. Elliptical might be your best bet. Yeah, be my guess. Yeah. Another friend who's got the same issue in the elliptical does not bother him. Yeah. So. Because that wouldn't surprise me. He's been me. fighting it for some... two years, and I'm like, I'm not doing two years of this. No. Wait. No. <laughs> no. I'm like, I asked the physical therapist today. I'm like, how many times do I have to come before I can get the insurance company to pay for the MRI? And he's like, you got to come one more time. I'm like, okay. See you next week. Who am I going to after that? <laughs> Lining up. Let's get this done. Not doing this. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know, if it's something that can be fixed with a surgery, that's that's a better route to go. Yeah, and it's to... a simple, simple surgery. So yeah. yeah. Now, if it was more complicated and there were other options, um, and I mean, what the physical therapist said, and at first he's like, for the average person, they can wait it out and get to their regular activity level, just you know, letting it letting it rest, letting it heal. But for people that have a higher activity level, that's not going to cut it. So, and that's it's going to take too long. It's going to take too long. It'll probably be weak. It'll be weak for too long. It's not going to come back as strong either. So, I'll I'll never get back to where I was. It'll probably re-injure itself because what'll happen is is you'll come back too quickly. It'll feel good, but it won't be fully healed. Therefore, it'll probably happen again much sooner the second time and the third time. Maybe he didn't say that, but well, if you get it fixed with like a surgery yeah. that's different and that's you know, yeah. that's a more more repair than just the natural repair process because mm-hmm. as you age that takes 10 times longer yes as we know yeah I, I learned that when i broke my hand because i remember when my one of my friend's daughter broke her arm at the same time oh really and she was out of her cast in three weeks and it took me like seven or eight and i still <laughs> broke a little bit hand in my bone in my hand she broke her whole arm her whole arm three weeks and she's good <laughs> three or four weeks she's out of the cast yeah. and going eight weeks later and like i remember like six seven weeks i'm like can i get this off I'm like no we're gonna let it sit another week <laughs> no fair <laughs> getting old has its benefits but it's boy it's got a lot of drawbacks <laughs> the recovery time is is completely different i mean that's why you go down to like three week cycles instead of four week cycles and then when you get a little bit older Get in the 60s and stuff, you go to two weeks. One up, one down. One up, one down. And that's just... Yeah. You, you, you can't reach the physical heights you can at a younger age. You just can't train as much. Yeah. just body takes just, too long to recover. body just can't do that type of load anymore. Yeah. 
Surgery sounds like a good option for this. <laughs> yeah, if you can get it, it would be a better route yeah. to go because it would be stronger. Yeah. Than, yeah. I mean, naturally, it would probably get back to somewhere where Eventually. you were, but it would take probably a year or so, and I'm sure you're probably not going to no. wait a year or so. <laughs> And then uh, that's why I said it leads to just injury because you, you wait until it feels good, then you go back out and it's only like 70% healed. Well, and this and is good. one of those things, you know, we we're talking about getting cold and, you know, I do car duty. I can't even do car duty right now because I can't do the stairs. And I'm oh. not, and that's how I stayed warm was going up and that's down the, the stairs. And then last week I was like hobbling up and down the stairs and swinging the, and I was like, okay, this is, and my, our, my boss actually, uh, because she could see me. And she said to me, Linda, I can get somebody else to do that duty. Do you want me to do a roster so somebody else will do it? And I said, anybody in that building will do it for me. And we've we've traded because I was like, okay, you've seen me hobbling too much. <laughs> She's like, you can park up here too so you don't have to do the stairs. So that's where we are. <clears throat> I mean, for me, the big takeaway is when you're an injured athlete, one, you have to try to absorb the emotional aspect of it and try to process the emotion out so that you can be rational in how you attack the problem. You know, trying to work through it or like, well, it feels good today, I'm going to go out and run, is not a rational response to an injury. The rational response to an injury is, is what is the injury? Mm -hmm. How long does it take to heal? Most of the time, I mean, if you get something like IT band or something, you go online, it'll tell you in three or four weeks you'll be fine or whatever, as long as you yeah. stretch it, blah, 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 you keep stretching and you'll be good going forward. That's a certain length of time. I break my hand, six, seven weeks, whatever. I'm, you're going to be out. If you're 12, three. If you're 12, <laughs> three, yeah. Or eight or whatever, however young she was at the time. Seven. She was like six or seven. I was like, God. Well, that's because their bones are going yeah. every day. Uh. Yeah. And then you you got to and you got to be able to deal with the emotion cuz people who do triathlon and put in long hours of training become emotionally attached to the sport and you, and you got to figure out how to drain the emotion from the situation so that you can make good decisions. Like okay, what is the injury? How long is it going to take? What can I do that's not going to hurt it mm-hmm. for that time period, which is what you're trying to do. It's like what what kind of exercises can I do? Can I walk? Can I use an elliptical machine? Can I just do different something else? Maybe I do some weightlifting, mm-hmm. upper body so weightlifting. That. You know, that's, I can swim as long as it's not breaststroke and kicking off the wall. You know, at the end of the day, you could probably pull a pool buoy out and swim with the pool buoy if you that's need to. That's actually what I did this morning. I did. I did about. I did a fifty. And I was like, no, and so I, I just I pulled about four hundred. And you can push off the wall with one leg. That's what I did. You don't need to push off the yep. wall with two legs. Yeah. There's some things you can do to get there, and you could probably water run if you wanted to. I know a lot of people have done that with broken feet, foot and stuff think like about that. doing that, but yeah, I could probably do that as long as, it, yeah, let me try that, actually. Or water bobbing, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> well, you put on a weight, yeah, yeah deep, deep water, water running. running. It's just incredibly boring. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's worse than a treadmill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there's like no TV, no book. I mean, waterproof headphones, and you might be able to see. Well, you get the random person who walks up and talks to you about random things in those situations. Some that lady works. Yeah. who's sitting in the pool who is just like, they're doing their own, like, hanging out there, and they're talking. Yeah. yeah. Find those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go when they're there. Have random oh conversations. God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of my suggestion to take away when you're injured. It's like, okay, how do we get, how do I process the emotion of, like, I might miss a race? Yeah. There's that can be really distressing for people. Oh, very. 
you got to pro- be able to process that emotion and drain that from the issue. Mm-hmm. And, and now I can approach it rational. And it's not easy. I mean, if it were easy, everybody would do it. And yeah. We wouldn't have any problems in life. You know, people would never get somebody, mad. I, I was like, I said, basically, this I have to go through a grieving process. <laughs> well, yeah, like, I mean, that's like, kind of. I'm what gonna be it's sad. Like. I'm gonna be mad. I'm gonna be upset about this, and then I gotta move on. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna hopefully take this as a new opportunity to, I don't know, get a stronger core. Well, I mean, hit the gym but that's the thing. I mean, when, when we look like, at all it, right, what else can I do to? You, know, you just have to look at it from a rational standpoint. It's like, okay, I'm injured. I'm looking at it as bad. Why? Because I have the opinion that this is bad. If I can change that opinion around, like maybe this is an opportunity to do something else. Maybe that's work on I'm something else. It's very and hard. then you can, that's how you begin to, you have to disassociate from your attachment to the fact that I'm doing this. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, some point in life, we're not going to be able to do what we do. Yeah. Someday I'm not going to be able to go out and ride a bike. I'll be too old. I'll get hit by someone driving into my house. Something's going to happen, and I won't be able to ride a bike someday. So I'm going to go out and enjoy the hell of it right now while I can. Yeah. So I, I, see, I, I see e-bikes in our future. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so you've, you've got to be able to disassociate the fact that this is a good and bad from this issue. And it's hard. Yeah. It's not easy. If it were easy, it anybody would do it. You, yeah. you, but that's you, you got to go, okay... Well, this is an opportunity to do something else. i got to take this as a challenge to do something else. And maybe it's not sports-related. Maybe I'm taking a break from sports. Maybe I'm going to spend time with my family instead. No, I'm going to work on my master's. <laughs> spend more time with your husband. He's home. <laughs> He's home. He's there you go. Home. So you're not going to be out there. And, you know, if it's like your social group. I know you are big yeah. social with them. Don't they usually party after they... Run Believe like me, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be running tonight, but I will have a. You'll make it to their social. I mean, so there are there are ways to continue the social aspects without participating in yeah. the activity, and that just becomes your new challenge. That the obstacle becomes the way. They <laughs> like to say one of our swimmers. She really likes that one. Okay. Adapt and overcome. That's what. Then that the Marines one. Adapt and overcome. I don't know. You're sounding like a whole bunch of stoicism to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's my philosophical guiding light, man. It's not there, all stuff, but there is some stoicism there. There is some Heavily influenced by it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's good. I mean, it's... And so then you can make the rational decisions of like, okay, what can, what are the other things I can do? What what do I change? What can I do that's positive? Yeah. That moves me forward as a human being? It's just such a bummer because mountain biking is definitely out, which is probably how I did it in the first place. Well, luckily it's been really cold, so I haven't wanted to go anyway, but... Exciting. There's a lot of loss. You know, you can work, you work on your upper body strength, so when you go out and mountain bike, you'll be a better mountain biker for it. Because you there need you upper body strength for mountain biking. You don't need it for road cycling but you, as much, but you definitely need it for mountain biking. You definitely need it for mountain biking. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yep. It's a chance to get a good grade. There we go. I'm trying. <laughs> Haven't cried about it yet. No, I mean, I, I, I get it. I mean, I've, I've been there. I, I'm, I'm much better about those things now. I don't. I don't get upset if something happens as much okay we'll see you next time <laughs> yeah i mean you know like i said i mean it's a process but it eventually everything will heal it's not my bike's not destroyed so that's that's a good thing because bikes can't be 
that they don't heal as well as people do. No, no, they don't. <laughs> the good question. How's my bike? No, we yell out of the back. Alrighty. Well, hopefully everybody else stays safe and healthy and uninjured. And uh, okay. if you like us, check us out on iTunes. And if you're if you're being irrational in your training, come to us. We can rationalize your training. And we make can help you. you. Yeah. No, I mean that, that is a, that is one of the great things that coaches bring besides expertise in the sport. It's but. The, it's not just expertise. It's that detachment from yeah. your day-to-day. It's the person that's the, the, the logical one talking to you. Going, you really yeah, should the one who's detached from the day-to-day drama of one's life makes better decisions for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one thing a coach can do <laughs> when it comes to training. It's an extra mom. <laughs> yes, basically, yes. Well, check us out on, what are we on? We're on iTunes. We're on uh, Google. iTunes and Google Play. We're also on YouTube. YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, hit the little bell. You'll be notified when we post new content. Cool beans. Talk to you next week. Have a good one if you want to.